Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have a show focusing on green technology and advanced energy. There's a conference taking place at the Jacob Javits Center this coming uh, April 30th and May 1st. And we will be having as our guests today two people who are involved in this conference from Stony Brook University and will be speaking about essentially the integration of the green uh, tech world uh, moving toward renewable resources and sustainability in the marketplace. What does that actually look like? How does this generally speaking, in relatively new sector, get integrated into a world that has become rather habituated and mechanized in a fossil fuel-based world where energy efficiency has not been the real key phrase, to put it rather mildly. But there are changes afoot, thankfully, and of course we've covered this subject on A Better World a number of times, uh, that looks at a world that is in transition. It's a changing world. And we know for lots of reasons from uh, what it's like to be dependent on other nations, on the subject of peak oil, on the subject of the destruction of our atmosphere, of our soil, of our water, just how desperate we are for new, in fact, if not radical changes in business as usual. And our guests today, David Winchester and Pat Malone, 
are going to be speaking with us and helping us unpack the types of changes that they see afoot. Pat will be moderating some panels at the uh, conference I made reference to at the beginning. And David has been involved also at Stony Brook developing something very interesting called Clean Tech Rocks. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what each of them have to share with us so we can learn more and more about what's going on in this world. For those of you who are new to A Better World, know that you can visit our website at www.abetterworld.tv. And if you don't yet receive our newsletter, which goes to many tens of thousands of people across the country and the world, actually, uh, please get on it and start receiving it yourselves so you can learn about what we have going on every week on this radio show every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and our weekly TV show on Tuesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In fact, on that, we are having a celebration and an anniversary of our 20th year on the air here in Manhattan. So go to the website and read about it. And if you're anywhere in the tri-state area, come to our celebration on April 30th. So I want to welcome you both to uh, A Better World. So nice to have you both. Hi. Hi, David Winchester and Pat Malone. Correct. So I would like to start, um, David, if you would, please give us an idea. This is oh so interesting. What is it that brought you, first of all, to the clean tech world, and what is it that you're doing now? Well, we're doing a number of things, and one of the reasons that uh, we're calling in today is to talk about the Advanced Energy Conference that can be reached at AERTC.org, which is New York State's largest uh, and most important energy conference um, in New York State. And my involvement has been, um, along with Pat Malone, who's really quite unbelievable as, as um, a professional in New York State, to really help yeah. prepare uh, young people and professionals in transition to try to enter into the career in clean tech. The clean tech, as you know, is a very broad area. There's a supply chain. It uh, involves renewable energy, energy efficiency, sustainability. So it's quite exciting. And we would like yeah. to talk a little bit about the conference, uh, which I think uh, a lot of Please your listeners do. may be very interested about attending. Indeed. Well, this is a, yeah. this is the seventh year um, for the Advanced Energy Conference. This is our second year in New York City. We come to New York City every two years. It's really what I would call it something that's like really New York State Energy Inc. in that all these senior players and, and uh, emerging players really come together as a community. So we have representatives from a government like NYSERDA, uh, the governor's office. Uh, we have uh, great uh, American universities uh, from New York State, Stony Brook University, Albany, uh, Binghamton, uh, Buffalo, Cornell. We have um, um, uh, businesses that are interested in our players, utilities, Con Ed, LIPA, PSG from um, uh, is involved. Uh, we have um, uh, laboratories and research facilities like uh, all the DOE labs, but especially Brookhaven National Laboratories, which is a, which is one of the only uh, national lab that's in New York State. And now, who, who uh, what, sponsors this? Is this well, state 
sponsored or university sponsored? Well, it's a kind of a collaborative. You know, the Advanced Energy Center is kind of unique in the world in that it collaborates with everybody, and we become mm-hmm. a co- uh, collaborative group that brings all the disparate groups together. And so it's quite unusual that, you know, what a university like Stony Brook is able to really bring together for our mutual benefit as a state uh, to come together. So it's sponsored by a variety of sources, the, you know, the variety of uh, utilities, NYSERDA, government agencies, universities, and companies, okay? So, for yeah. example, you have NYSERDA. Uh, you know, the main sponsors uh, are the Department of Energy, for example, New York Power Authority, NYSERDA, Stony Brook, National Grid, New York State Smart, uh, con- Smart and, Consortium, and what, which, by the way, was founded David, because of – yes. What would you say is the, the purpose of the collaborative? Is it primarily educational? Is it primarily networking? Uh, would you say that the DOE and um, the other state-oriented agencies um, are very interested in turning the corner of uh, establishing um, renewable energy sources instead of, say, coal, as an example, instead of well, that ConEd has been using for many it's, decades? It's, it's kind of an interesting um, conference in the sense that the focus is really R&D, we're really made up of research where not only do we want to uh, consolidate the research for innovative new products and solutions, but we want yeah. to collaborate between each of the groups to be able to commercialize them. That's one of the uh, areas that have been neglected. You know, ideas are a dime a dozen, right? If you can't commercialize, right. you really don't have anything. New York State exactly. is very, very rich. The opportunities for New York State companies and professionals and organizations, it's ours to lose. We have more resources yeah. here. Okay, than to shake a stick at. All right, we are the yeah. fourth largest energy user in the country. We need to uh, uh, take the lead, and we have what I would call styles of excellence. Now, the Advanced Energy Center is the leadership of Robert Cattell, uh, Yakov Shamash, and of course uh, Mr. Jim Smith, who's also a very, very uh, interesting man. And uh, we're thinking about doing a fundraiser for him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was able to bring everybody t- together. <laughs> Uh, to really yeah. look at the opportunities. So how can New York State collaborate? Like the New York State Smart Grid uh, Coalition it was, was, was brought together because of the Advanced Energy Conference. A lot of, you know, New York State's a big state. There's a lot going on downstate and upstate. Now, how do we bring all this together? Sure. And how do we bring together the companies and organizations and universities and government that want to sell into and support New York State? And that's been our great strength in that we are a collaborative situation that's focused on R&D and R&D as well as how can we commercialize that R&D? How can we support uh, uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs? How can we support a growth of this industry? Our, this, our choice is as follows. Either New York State sells to New Jersey, Chicago, and Beijing, or Beijing, Chicago, and New Jersey sell to New York. Mm-hmm. This is our so opportunity. what about... What about uh, R&D is usually a rather lengthy process in the cycle, you know, the the business cycle. What about those companies that already have, you know, um, shovel-ready technologies for uh, integration into infrastructure in a place like New York State? 
Well, you know, that's an interesting point that you bring up. That's a very good question because a lot of times that's where the, you know, the black hole occurs. So there are lots of companies out there that have done the R&D, that have a business model that's appropriate, but they have to get exposure and grow themselves. There's a lot of R&D that's been done that's, that's sitting on the shelf ready to go. But if we don't have Very entrepreneurs uh, to do it, we can't do it. So you have all these things going on. You have a battle uh, going on in the marketplace. You have lots of different kinds of approaches to solutions. But there's a lot of established uh, uh, needs that there's still a race on who are going to be the leaders, okay? And, for example, yes. NYSERDA, you know, which is really – New York City is so lucky to have an organization – like NYSERDA. Most yes. states do not have what we have in NYSERDA, which NYSERDA is give, able give, to... Give what the acronym stands for, for those New who... York. We have listeners from all over the country, right. and I don't want to be too inbred, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's it's the New York State De- uh, Development uh, Research authority okay so they do lots of things okay they are helping to commercialize the the solutions they are helping to subsidize in the sense of incentives to encourage energy efficiency renewable energy they do workforce training okay they help establish yeah. standards okay so what a solution yeah. should um, uh, have to be so that the consumer is able to get make sure they get uh, a qualified vendor, or for energy efficiency, they are uh, establishing standards. So they are across the board. Most states do not have anything like an ICERTA. So we are very lucky to have that, that is able now yeah. to take the monies that they raise to the public service uh, benefit charge and invest it back into New York State to improve efficiencies, mm-hmm. renewables, and workforce development. We need to we need to have we need to be aligned with um, what's happening in the economy, and we need to have people that are prepared to take these jobs. So it's like a chicken exactly. and egg. Sometimes you have too many of this and not enough of that. Okay, but That's ultimately right, exactly. we know we we know that the clean tech our energy in general is the biggest business on the planet. That renewables, efficiencies, and sustainability is one of the fastest growing areas. And over the next 20 or 30 years, these are going to make great career paths for lots of uh, high-performing students and professionals in transition to break into this. And again, our challenge is not only to service ourselves in New York State, okay, but to service uh, clients throughout America and throughout the world. We are still, you know, with all the bad news. Yes, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to bring something else up. It's not just that this is uh, a good job opportunity. Uh, I really want to paint a picture that our climate scientists have really shown us, and um, for those of us who really looked into it, see that the outlook is nothing better than dismal. It's actually quite dark. When we look right. at the damage that has already been wrought, And I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, but I am trying to say something about what science shows us that we have actually already passed some several very important uh, points along the path of, you could say, self-destruction, if not, it's like a suicide mission. And that's what we've done. So I want to just inject something, and then I want to bring Pat Malone in to the conversation, because the workforce has so much to do with this transition, if we do not pull ourselves up, 
um, immediately out of business as usual, then our Titanic is going to be sinking even faster. Right now, I think that we might be able to do a little bit of keeping it afloat, but uh, without people who are really interested in digging their heels in and moving into this field, uh, I don't know what to say. It's not looking good. Pat, could you pick up on what you're doing to um, to uh, keep our ship afloat? Oh, sure. I'd be very happy to do that. Um, back to the good conversation to you that you were show. just having. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It's really a great opportunity because we truly feel that the applied level of education and training and certifications in response to solar, wind, renewable energy efficiency is the critical point for us. And to your point, yes. Mitchell, I think that it really is a cultural shift that we need to take. We can give people certifications and credentials for jobs, but we want to change the mindset of communities and business organizations yes. to embrace sustainability and to really feel a part of responsibility. So that has been yes. a lot of the kind of work that goes in parallel with our training. Uh, we were fortunate a few years ago I'm very to work close to hear that, by the way, because I really think it's that is the case that it's a it's a it's a culture change that needs to take place. Absolutely. And if you don't create a receptivity and an engagement, um, you're not going to have the ultimate outcomes. You may have trained people and efforts that disconnect at different points in time. So what we found is that um, we started a few years ago with a grant from the New York State Department of Labor that came from the federal government to assess green jobs. Yeah. And we worked with Clean Tech yeah. Rocks and other partners, NYSERDA. And the ultimate outcome was that many of these jobs were what we call transformational green, moving into a clean energy economy, sort of shifting the paradigm from existing jobs, whether they be technician, electrical, mechanical, engineering, solar, wind, into a capping off of additional certifications and credentials, which was good news, mm -hmm. and it demystified sort of a run to sort of a segmented group of, in quotes, green jobs. We've stayed away from that that titling of jobs anymore and call it clean energy, clean tech jobs, and move into sort of embracing them within the mainstream of workforce development on all levels. Mm -hmm. So what we do mm -hmm. here at the center and what we'll be doing at the conference is pulling together sort of the applied credentials, certifications, and work that comes out of the emerging R&D areas that will be discussed in the different sessions. The integration mm -hmm. of policy and implementation of policy to how things play out on the ground is really a critical piece. So you will see through many of the different sessions, the policy pieces draw very large crowds. In our room, we'll be talking with people from the solar certification areas, the building performance group, which is involved in residential um, uh, energy efficiency, people involved in ISO 50001, which is sort of the mega new quality standard, as well as people from the U.S. Green Building Council and practitioners in various, various areas of building commissioning and assessment, speaking about the certifications and credentials that they saw in the past, the emerging trends moving forward, and some of the new ways to regulate that the training and education speaks to what needs to be done, that there's a gold standard. IREC is, has a whole new standard to certify instructors as well as educational groups or institutions <laughs> in terms of curriculum. And this is really very, very important because people need to know what direction to go in and what will pay off for them in terms of their engagement in the world of work. Um, but you will see from the areas of, of energy efficiency is one of the areas that will be addressed on the small commercial as well as the large commercial area uh, by a panel of experts. 
And that is really moving dramatically, and the underpinning in that is a receptivity not only for the organizations to want the energy assessments to be done, but then to move in partnership with the utilities and other partners to make sure that the outcomes are that things change and that people then start to engage in a process that's sustainable in maintaining the efficiency environments. Um, another piece that we'll also be seeing, too, moving forward in the region, and um, the governor has just been phenomenal in putting the pieces together on regional levels through regional councils, embracing energy efficiency and renewable energy as one of their strategic plan components. You will see that there is a big effort to make sure that in recovery efforts such as Sandy and the, the uh, regenification and rejuvenation of different environments, that long-term commitments in building and establishing how communities function will be critical. So I think that through a disaster, we're seeing some, some healing and renewal in that area that yeah. will play out in jobs. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's a very exciting venue at the conference. And the synergy that occurs between people from all different walks of life is really very exciting. It's one of the conferences where the, the highest level seven scientific research engaged with the entrepreneurs and people looking to create new jobs and commercialize. And, and so the synergy is really quite fabulous. Um, so we're so happy that you're yes, yes, engaging in a conversation about it. That's right. And, you know, it's interesting. Here you are involved in certifying people in a new job sector where uh, it's just breaking ground. So the question, interesting question is, who is uh, already certified, or let me say competent and qualified, to certify others in a brand new field? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that is really quite true. So groups like IREC, the um, Interstate Renewable Energy Commission, have done a fabulous job in looking across the board at the different kinds of standards that exist and the practitioners in the field and creating a yeah. pathway for certification. So you would traditionally have architects and engineers and the U.S. Green Building Council lead standard, whether it be a general one or, or a, a professional one, and others coming yeah. together. But now there's more and more movement for there to be enhancement of existing curriculum and people brought in that have to have a certain level of knowledge and expertise to be able to move to another level. So it's almost was like the Wild West a few years ago in that yeah. there were groups of practitioners with great expertise going for the newer credentials, but people weren't sure how the continuing education would play out, which is critical. Sustainability is on the move, and it's never stagnant. You need to have new ideas on water and air every moment. And um, I think the different groups, the U.S. Green Building Council has created a very interesting platform for continuing education and assessing different dimensions of the work moving forward. Um, I think IREC is doing a great job in working with the technical training institutions across the country, the proprietary schools, community-based groups, and others in sort of preparing a level of standard of knowledge and expertise. And we are currently working with NYSERDA in the design of a new curriculum for commercial, small commercial environments, which have a tremendous amount of diversity. And we are integrating existing certification programs into a venue that allows people to blend the best of those with a an entry requirement of architect, engineer, facilities manager going into it. So it's the very beginnings of career pathways that will then play out in some sort of a parallel with academic programs and certifications being intertwined as we move further. So I think it gives people a clearer sense of 
different directions they can move in that will give them tangible skills and certifications in a flexible market. So if solar becomes Indeed. very, very extensive, that's great. But if solar shifts off a bit and we're moving into more energy efficiency or some more wind or small wind, they have a platform to shift with a base knowledge that's recognized. And I think that's what we're striving to do as educators. That's great. That's great. I appreciate that. Uh, let's let everybody know that this conference that's being referred to here is taking place at the Jacob Javits Center in uh, New York City, of course, April 30th and May 1st. And you can get more information at the website, www.aertc.org. Aertc.org. Is that right, David? That is correct. Okay. Did we lose David? Hey, it's me again. Okay, you're still there. Okay, fine. Um, I wanted to ask a question because where uh, what my background is or my looking is is I see um, I see the gas industry, for instance, that has gotten very interested in hydrofracking, and uh, there, of course, is uh, it's something that is preoccupying. New Yorkers here in the city as well as upstate, and uh, there's a deep level of concern about its effect on the watershed. I've done a number of programs on fracking, and I've had various uh, uh, professors from Cornell and elsewhere weigh in on the potential dangers of fracking to our water and to our air and soil. And um, I've had legislators on from Albany as well saying that once proven that it has no deleterious effect on in our, our environment, uh, this bill will allow fracking to take place. But until such time, it needs to be um, further researched and let the moratorium be uh, extended. How do you both feel about this uh, currently in light of a conference such as this, where it appears that there's so much interest by New York State and many of its agencies, yet the uh, lobbying uh, that's taking place in Albany and in the governor's office is nothing short of intense, and to the extent that he has not been able to make a decision pro or con. Well, to the extent he has not made a decision is, is, is a wise thing on the point of New York State. Pennsylvania has gone through a disaster. I think yeah. New York State is looking at this in a very careful way. There's lots of gas in the uh, uh, land of America. Eventually, it's going yeah. to come out. What is the best way? We don't know. And, and the Advanced Energy Conference basically is not taking a position on it. We provide policy help and, and think about it. But the governor has done the right thing. Okay, until we are sure that the gas can be brought out safely, okay, then again, like everybody else, we don't want to do it. At the same time, the gas is there, and eventually uh, it's to our benefit to get it out. But it, the state of the art today is moving, and the governor of New York State, the great governor of New York State, has not uh, uh, gone either way because he's asked for more studies, so we have a governor in a state that values uh, 
energy and wants to reduce our cost of energy in New York State, but wants to do it in a very responsible way. So I think, again, more reasons why New York State is a great state and doing all the right things um, uh, for, its, for itself as a state and for America and for the world. Well, David, I think you ought to run for governor. I'll tell you. No, no. Well, perhaps you know you want to do a pack for me. Uh, I'm only kidding. But you know these are very these are you know the advanced energy conference. No, we, I, your point you know, is well made. Pe- your point is well right. made. I I think that if people understood that that the yes there's a lot of gas and the gas uh, on the surface has been already mined and uh, removed and that's happened years ago and now that the thing called hydrofracking is going down deeper and deeper into the shale, and that's what causes so many of these potential issues. And um, it's no longer a simple matter. It used to be rather simple to get it. but Nobody you cared know, let's before. Say that, I'm sorry? The people you know, the, the, in other states, not as enlightened as New York State, they just did it. Fracking's been around forever. However, yeah. New York State and other states have recognized that reckless uh, use of the environmental resources is not appropriate. Yes. And I think New York State, the governor, is taking that position. And, you know, there are a lot of people who support the idea of uh, using the energy for New York State and fracking, and there are people against it. But I don't think the governor is going to decide until he's very, very certain that it can be done if it can ever be done, in a way that's um, uh, good for the environment, good for New York State. The Advanced Energy Center, okay, which is a New York State facility, will look at that and help the governor uh, generate information that he can decide upon. But the governor is not Mm -hmm. going to be bullied by these uh, uh, people who are just doing it for their own self-interest. Yes, yes. Interestingly, the New York Times cited the gas industry's um, involvement in fracking <clears throat> as simply a bubble that there's actually no hard data behind it and no real good numbers behind it even for profitability except for the people in the company itself <clears throat> that they're just basically running and if you don't mind my saying scamming a bubble which we've seen happen so many times and the worst being September 2008 and that the gas that is going to be harvested or that is being harvested in Pennsylvania is actually not for local use at all, but it's being shipped overseas to Europe and elsewhere. So there's not that much going on. a new light. I'm sorry? Right. No, you know, I agree with you 110%. So, again, those people who come to the Advanced Energy Conference will benefit by the the debate that's going on about this, okay? And again, you know, right, so but there's many other things besides fracking. You know, we can save more energy and do a better job, as you know, by cutting our use of it, by becoming more energy efficient. That's yeah. where we have to go. The greatest gain to be made is the, and the cheapest and best energy is the energy we don't use. That's so right. that's really where we have to go. And remember, those economies of the world – grew because of of energy. We are energy dependent. The whole world wants to, you know, use energy. We have to find, we have opportunities to find innovative, effective, efficient ways to maximize use of energy. 
And that's, that's only, right. you know, finding energy and producing energy, but also how the, the machines and the consumers and industry and government and radio talk hosts, you know, use energy. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely <laughs> true. And uh, let's let everybody know, talking about radio talk hosts, uh, you are listening to A Better World with Mitchell J. Rabin here on Blog Talk Radio. We are on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We love your joining us and uh, listening in and learning what our wonderful guests have to share with us. Please visit us at our website at www.abetterworld.tv and learn about what we have on the air, both on radio and TV every week. And Get on the free newsletter that goes out once a week announcing the shows and all, often with a blog as well. So we are spending the hour with two uh, wonderful individuals who are uh, very well-versed in the green tech sector in New York State, David Winchester and Pat Malone, both affiliated with Stony Brook University and with the Advanced Energy Conference taking place at the Jacob Javits Center, April 30th and May 1st. So please uh, go to their website and uh, look it up. And if you're anywhere in the neighborhood, or even if you're not, consider coming to what will be a very interesting and, I'm sure, energy efficient. What, are you going to be using candles there to keep it lit? Well, perhaps people will bring their own candles because, again, we have a constituency that's very interested in uh, uh, conserving energy. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. Of course, you're coming, so we I'm welcome you to come. I'm playing with you. No, they'll bring LED, LED lights. That's what they'll bring. Absolutely, positively. Sure. Let me, Let me ask you make this. one comment. Let me ask you one comment before I go, okay? Yeah, sure. We are delighted to uh, be on your program. We admire, respect all the wonderful things that you do, and we encourage your audience to continue to tune in and to spread the good news about what you're doing. Oh, that's wonderful. I so appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Uh, I'd like to ask a question um, having to do with energy efficiency. <clears throat> you know, money is a form of energy as well. Imagine Correct. that New York State had a billion dollars. And this sort of circles back a little bit to the subject of fracking, but not directly. And if with that billion dollars, we can go in either uh, the direction that we've been going all along, or we can go in a direction of developing wind turbine energy and solar and hydropower, which are, you know, three, you could say, um, foundational pieces of the renewable energy world. We see over in Germany, for instance, that they are generating at least 20% of the country's overall energy from these sources. It's remarkable. They are showing us it really can be done and it can be made profitable. They have also, interestingly, um, chose not to develop any further nuclear energy, nuclear plants at all, and are on the map for discontinuing any nuclear plants that they have. Uh, I don't know if they needed Fukushima, but that certainly put a fine point on the subject. Why is it that with all of the innovation and all of the good stuff that you're talking about exists right here with natural resources in New York State, that there still is continuing nuclear plants even um, India
center of Manhattan? Well, this is the problem we have, okay? The traditional energy production process is huge, okay? It is the biggest business on the planet. To make the transition, okay, to renewables and efficiencies, okay, it's going to take a long time. We cannot go any – it's just impossible. It's a 20-year problem. However – New York State, with the money that they spend, which is get hundreds of millions of dollars in efficiencies, renewables and efficiencies, is leading the pact. So we are setting the uh, example. We are moving in that direction. But there's no silver bullet. There's no quick answer. The quickest answers are use it, use less of it, be more efficient and more effective, and start mm-hmm. continue to build you know, the solar uh, facilities, whether it be on housetops, which Long Island, for example, we're known, you know, Suffolk County is known as Solar County. We have more solar installations on Long Island than anywhere else in New York State. The wind mm. resources in New York State are quite great. We have wind farms in upstate. We are trying now, the New York State's trying to put wind farms off of um, uh, Long Island in New York State. They try to do it closer, but remember, we New York State, or, you know, Americans, they have this thing called NIMBYism, not in my backyard. So yeah. it's like, okay, we don't, we won't be able to see the windmills, but you can see the dead soldiers. Now I'm being very crude when I say it that way, <laughs> but you're absolutely right. We need to get off of this, but it takes time. It takes all of us pulling together to demand of our government that this is a priority, and we're willing to pay for it because there's no free lunch in the first phases. Yeah. These are expensive. They're, you know, it may take a one, two, five year payback. To get this, okay, but we have to do it, and we have to support the ecosystem. Payback is gorgeous in the energy industry. Five years is even a little young. Typically, if you really look at the if you look at um, the oil and gas industries, they're looking more at a seven to ten year payback. There is, but again, so all these things are in play. We're not going to get off of gas and oil. In our lifetime, you're dead. I'm dead. Okay, I know how old you are. Okay, we're dead. Yeah. The oil and gas. I'm only is too 39, valuable. like Jack Benny. I might yeah, still yeah. be around. Hello, maybe you will be. You know, you sound like because all you know, you do all the right things. So of course you're going to live forever. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, gas and oil. Hey, you know what? Is too That's valuable. what I'm going for. Okay. I yeah. no no no. You know, I was thinking about acupuncture and uh, maybe we could do. Uh, uh, I won't even go down that road. Okay, um, so we have a transition. How do we? How do we? You know, manage our resources. Okay, because if you think about gas and oil to create heat to burn to make steam is not the most efficient way to use that resource. The resource, oil and gas, makes medicines, makes plastics, makes lots of other things that are more valuable than making heat. So we're trying to replace, you know, that over time. It's happening. So I encourage everybody, you know, it's a glass half full, half empty. Is it too late for the world? I don't know. I hope not. We typically somehow muddle our way through this. There is a lot of attention yes. on a world basis now um, to to try to address these things, you know. So I think all things considered, those – we have to – you know, we look at people power, right, student power, people power. Let's talk about people power. To rage against things that we can't control is kind of a waste of energy. To focus Indeed. in on things that we can control or we can't have impact, impact uh, is really important, 
You know, and let's go back to the conference, okay? We have the mayor, you know, the mayor of New York City, okay, Mayor Bloomberg. He has been a worldwide leader, okay, his plan NYC 2030, okay? He is doing things that are setting the example for the world, okay? And he is like fighting his way to overcome bureaucracy and inertia and all the things that are, you know, trying to stop positive change. He does it, okay? So, you know, who else has a Mayor Bloomberg? Who else has a New York City, New York State? The people of New York State have more things going on. The people coming, you know, the Department of Energy. Department of Energy pumps in lots of money in R&D, commercialization, education. We want to continue down that road. We have to let Obama and our congressmen and senators know that it's not okay to cut those budgets, that to save a dollar today is going to cost us $20 tomorrow. We cannot no, be penny-wise, pound-foolish. I understand. Okay. I want to bring Pat Malone back into the conversation here. I don't blame you. Uh, thank you, David. I very much appreciate the points you're making. Um, I would like to ask you about what the panels are that you'll be moderating at the conference. Oh, certainly. Um, there will be three, and they will be held on April 30th, um, the first day of the conference, right after the breakfast. The first one begins at 9.30 in the morning, and it is Career Pathways and the Expanding Role of LEED, uh, the U.S. Green Building Council standard. And um, the interesting part well, of this particular panel, uh, Leadership in Environmental Engineering and Design, and it is the standard that involves all things around building sustainable buildings. LEED Platinum, LEED Gold, um, buildings that move to the standard. Actually, the Advanced Energy yeah. Center that we are in is a LEED Platinum research building. And um, but, but the interesting part of this is that LEED has really been the first piece of the clean energy, clean tech, green building movement. It really has been the gold standard for everyone to seek in terms of a knowledge base yeah. for green building. Yeah. And moving forward, what we saw here at the university was that when we started to begin the LEED program several years ago, we found an unbelievable diversity of people attending. So it wasn't your traditional architects or engineers. While there were many in the room, there were lawyers and chiropractors and masons and people of all different walks of life. And what we identified was that, again, back to the, the cultural shift in the environment and people wanting to understand what sustainability, green building, energy efficiency was about if they were not part of that in terms of their work, yeah. people came and used LEED as a literacy piece. And they started to move with a lead knowledge in a variety of different ways. And so what we've decided to do is invite Alyssa Khan, who is with the U.S. Green Building Council in charge of all the credentialing for the Green Building Institute. LEED has given yeah. the GBCI the credentialing so that there is a separation between the standard and people seeking the credentials, so it's appropriately handled. Mm -hmm. She's going to speak about the career pathways and sort of the integration of LEED into our economy and how it has created a variety of different jobs and different dimensions within jobs that they never could have imagined starting out several years ago. So that's really very exciting. An and on the panel, of, what is an example or two of that new okay, kind of two job people creation? On that's correct. Two people that are on the panel will be speaking about that. Neil Rosen, who is the Director of Sustainability for the entire North Shore LIJ system, which you know is a huge um, health care system, will be speaking yeah. about... Yeah, Jewish. Mm -hmm. X, uh, yes. And um, Neil will be speaking about how his job never existed before, how as an architect getting involved in facilities, 
He has now become the director of All Sustainable Building and Lead Building within the uh, whole North Shore LIJ system and how that job is just growing exponentially. And um, they will be bringing a a hybrid um, vehicle, uh, an ambulance, to the conference that they can show in terms of their commitment to sustainability. So it should be very interesting to hear from Neil. An ambulance, which which is going to be a hybrid or electric or what? Uh, yes, it's actually a um, – actually, I'm sorry, it's a natural gas ambulance. We have a hybrid garage right. truck, garbage truck coming in from the Nat- Department of Sanitation, but the, it's a natural gas ambulance from Long Island Jewish. And that will be – yes, it's really, it's really yeah. great. And he's just, he's just a fabulous architect who really sees so many dimensions of how this, this whole field is, is playing out. And um, so he'll be speaking to that and sort of addressing the issues in the healthcare sector around sustainability and their commitment. Um, and then Pamela Mendez will be speaking about uh, – she works for a major commissioning engineering firm in Manhattan, and she'll be speaking about interior design and how as a lead accredited professional, she is working in interior design and construction and sustainability, a completely different Excellent. dimension that she ever anticipated. So it will be very exciting to see how these people have moved in a variety of directions. Um, the, the second panel is on certifications and accreditations in the clean energy If I may just economy. share with you a moment – just as a little sure. uh, aside, um, I've been at this for so long that back in the early 90s, I was part of uh, the first green construction supply house that was in nothing other than the great Soho of New York City on the fifth mm-hmm. floor of a friend of mine's loft, um, Ira Rusek, who owned Canal Jeans. He gave us a floor in his large, large uh loft building, um, and obviously a retail outlet, uh, for developing this company. And this was back in 1994, 1995. And out of that grew another company that I helped to start called Healthy Properties, Inc., which was dedicated to sick building syndrome. Syndrome. It was the first company of its kind in the country, and it helped to develop the lead standards with the Green Building Council back then. That's fabulous. That is fabulous, is that and, so for and that me, is really wild. Well, yeah, for me to sit here and hear what you are both sharing with our audience about the, the developments and the progression that has occurred since then. I mean, when I used to say I was involved in green technology back in 1990 when I began, people like, um, you know, building facilitator uh, managers and engineers used to look at me cross-eyed. Like, what the hell is that, and why are you bothering? Well, uh, we're bothering because we can save you a lot of money. And I learned that that was all that mattered then. Now, money and the environment matters, but it took about 15 years to turn that corner. So now, this is just another way of saying I very much appreciate what the Advanced Energy Conference is doing and what it represents and the forward momentum that it is um, creating with the kinds of collaborations and partnerships that it's helping to forge. So uh, just an aside I wanted to share with you. Well, thank you. I think that's fabulous. And you know what, Mitch, that absolutely describes the kind of experiences that people have had moving along the way. And all of a sudden, when people say, what are you doing and why are you doing and what does green mean in that? And all of a sudden, it moves into the mainstream now, and people are starting to understand it and be a part of it for a bigger reason. Um, It's it's really wonderful to see. It's an exciting exciting movement. And we saw, really, in the transition from Wall Street, when you speak about – 
some of the, the major crises that our region has engaged, the Wall Street crisis has huh. left so many people out of work. And one yeah. of the things we did here at Stony Brook was create a program that was funded through the Recovery Act and others, but it was really a piece of things that we had been doing anyway. And the long story short is over a 1,000 people have come through our doors for certification and credentialing to help them re-enter the job market. We don't retrain. We're a research university. We help people re-enter. But what we saw in it was that the percentages of individuals coming through from a variety of jobs in finance and IT and global operations from J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, were seeking credentials and certifications that would help them reinvent themselves in this kind of shifting economy. And the energy yeah. and sustainability piece was critical. So many of them did project management programs with LEED and found themselves in places like North Shore LIJ or with the Youth Build Program at United Way in environments that they never would have gotten into if they had not sat mm. for that program. And their tale is similar to yours in a different way in going for a credential and moving into a whole different platform of work. And that's, that's a lot of the excitement that we're seeing in this field. And that's why this session is really a very, very important one. And um, it's really close to us because so many people have relaunched careers through sort of integrating this kind of credential yeah. with others and work experience. Um, that is the, the so other... hopeful. It's so mm -hmm. hopeful, Pat. And I think that hope in light of all of the distressing um, difficulties that we're facing, and we, we can't blink from this. We have to really see the hole that we dug for ourselves. And it really brings up, um, uh, at the risk of sounding a bit controversial, the issue in September of 2008 was a banking issue. We all know that. And the absolutely out-of-control, pathological um, role of greed in our banking industry and an award an Oscar award winning documentary called Inside Job highlighted the true sickness that has dominated Wall Street and banking is a, a very important industry obviously what if any is the subject of green banking playing in this uh, conference you know I really can't speak to green banking in this conference but um, what I can tell you is that I think that as we move further, we're going to see more concern around assessing properties and developing properties in value around their energy efficiency and their sustainability, and that will then connect to the financial sector. Yeah. We're seeing more and more engagement from the real estate groups and institutes on the commercial level than we had several years ago, and my yeah. feeling is that it's early on, but the conversation with those entities is starting to take place. We can see it in some of the work we're doing with some of the major contractors, and we feel that that's probably something we're going to start to see moving forward with sooner than later, and maybe some of the recovery efforts, some of the rebuilding and sustainability that now is happening in communities from the devastating losses will play into it. So in some uh, unusual way... Yeah, so in a, some unusual way, yeah. Wall Street and the finance and, and the greed may actually flip into a different place in the devastation from Sandy and the rebuilding. So it may come together in Indeed. some ways. I mean, I'm I'm not sure, you but know, I do see a little synergy there. Good. I'm glad. And I really want to bring up another subject here, which is um, what I would just simply call ethics. And I think that one of the ways we've dug ourselves into this ditch, I think it was fairly clear by uh, either explicitly or by implication, is this. Uh, and, you know, I am, even though I'm very involved in the green tech world, I am a psychotherapist at base. 
and I tend to see the world, uh, you know, uh, psychologically. And just as the great psychologist Abraham Maslow said, if you, uh, if the only tool you have is a hammer, you tend to see the world as nails. Well, you know, I'm guilty. <laughs> so I see that a lot of the problems we've had are really um, greed-driven, and I believe that. There's an energy around the energy of green technology, and it has a different feeling to it. And I'd like to hear what you both have to say about, let me say, a new ethical face of business where, yes, you bet we want to make money. It's a pleasure and a great thing to make money. But we can be energy efficient there, too. And making a killing, quote-unquote, is a rather transparent kind of phrase that says too much, if you know what I mean. And making a killing distinct from making a decent, good, but I like to refer to it as moderate profit, is also perhaps better. Can you both respond to that comment? I can respond to that a little bit back back in, in sort of looking at the conference. I think that at the conference you will have the the head executives of all of the utilities attending and people that were tremendously involved in the the fiscal crisis and the cost issues and then, of course, the devastation from the storm. And what I see is that people have become incredibly committed to making things better and to looking at the overall sustainable value of communities. And mm. I think that the conversation yeah. after the devastation of the storm has brought it to a very different level, and we're expecting a very engaging, community collaborative kind of conversation. One of the pieces mm. that's an underpinning of this is the implementation of the smart grid, and many of the groups are implementing smart card or demonstration projects um, that will be at the conference. I know in Syracuse and in Buffalo and here at Stony Brook working with Farmingdale State and the Long Island Power Authority. And one of the key issues is to look at how to make the cost effectiveness of energy work and how to come in with renewables on the grid that work in a complementary way. And how does the utility take the investment and the savings in energy and put it back into solar panels and additional efforts in the community to have a functioning utility that can respond in a storm, that can respond without a storm, that can manage costs, and an environment that's sustainable and that's engaged. So I, I do believe that there's a lot of movement in this area. I think there has been with the interest in the smart grid and the, the diversification of the costs of energy through different modalities. And there's a cultural and a, a community commitment within a smart grid as well to be smarter in how we use energy and, and clearer in how we yeah. manage it. But I do think yes, that the, yes. the current environment, I think there's been a lot of forces that have moved forward, and we're very excited that the conference is taking place now. It was originally scheduled to take place when the storm hit, exactly on the day of the storm. And I believe that moving into the spring and a time of hope, as you mentioned, and a time of renewal and engagement from all the key people that were involved in those efforts so deeply, um, this is a great context for moving forward. This is a yeah. great time to start different conversations we could not have had before the, that occurred in the autumn. So we're really in a very different place than we had anticipated to be. Yes. Sometimes we have to hit bottom in order to look up in a new collaborative way. And uh, mm -hmm. we saw so much heroism around, you know, Hurricane Sandy. I mean, I happen to live just a, a minute away from Con Edison, you know, and uh, we, you know, in the East River, and we saw a huge amount of devastation in this area, nothing in comparison to, um, you know, the Rockaways and uh, the New Jersey shoreline, et cetera. 
but um, there was a huge amount of people coming out to help each other, tremendous collaboration and community building. And I think it was just fabulous. And in some interesting way, it sounds like some of that same dynamic is showing up here in this conference. I think it's Absolutely. It's the president of Con Edison, um, Craig Ivey, will be present, as well as the chief operating officer of the Long Island Power Authority, Gil Canonis from the New York Power Authority, Frank Murray from NYSERDA. All of these people worked tirelessly in teams to take a look at what was occurring and how to fix it and are now moving forward with a knowledge base we never could have had. We saw a presentation just recently, and Brookhaven National Labs will be a core partner in the activities at the conference about what could have worked and what couldn't have worked, given the infrastructure mm -hmm. that we have now. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of things we don't realize, and I think that the scientific experts at this conference will unveil things that we generally didn't hear from the media, and that's why the platform is so critical yes. and the conversation is so I important at this point in time. Exactly. And is part of the conversation you refer to the smart grid, but there are a lot of people who are interested in what you could call the democratization of energy and the autonomy the autonomous use of energy. And so there are a number of companies that are building um, windmills that are per, per home or per building. And that while the grid will always be there as part of a, a default infrastructure um, and energy uh, source, a lot of people are really looking to be off-grid and, if anything, feed energy back to the system rather than being powered by it. What are your thoughts mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, think yeah. Dave, I think David can speak to that, but on, on that note, I think, yes, I think there's room for all kinds of discussions and smart buildings and being off-grid and sort of assessments of where it comes together and, and where it doesn't. Mm -hmm. David, would you speak a little bit to people off-grid? It's a thousand points of light to, you know, steal Mr. Bush's um, word. All <laughs> these things are happening. Yeah. Okay, so you have, you know, the power uh, agreements where, you know, uh, uh, people going on, on and putting power back into the grid and getting paid for it. It's all happening. The financial arrangements, you, talk about, you talked about green banking and all that. It's happening. Is it happening as fast as we would like? No. But is it happening? Yes. So all these things are happening. So people that want to go off the grid can kind of go off the grid. They can put solar panels on their house. They can put solar panels in their yard. Companies can put solar panels in their parking lots. Geothermal, okay? All these things are coming. And again, go back to energy efficiency. The, the most effective source of energy is the energy you don't use. And American houses and businesses and companies and buildings were built, many of them, you know, older buildings, there was no paying attention to energy costs. Nobody even knew. I came out of the data center business, okay? And data centers are hot spots on the planet. They use so much energy, the cloud computing, right? Yes. 2% of the energy in the United States is, is used by, by that. The, the, 10%? The, the, 2%. In data centers, okay? So the people who are manufacturing, the IBMs, the HPs, are making more energy-efficient equipment, okay? The, data, the, the cloud computing, the wonderful thing about that is now we're using more capacity within the, each computer, so it's more energy-efficient. Even mainframes are coming back. And why is that happening? Because they're more efficient, 
So all these things are happening. Oh, it's this is the most exciting time on the planet. So for those professionals and students that are listening in, okay, the opportunity to have a career, a real profession, to contribute, okay, uh, to the well-being of the country and the world, and to make up week's pay so they can pay their bills is quite good. And the things that are going on at Sturbrook University with Pat Malone, for example, at the Advanced Energy and Training Institute are world-class. There's, there's so much innovation going on in New York State. It's unbelievable. We need to be proud of, what's, of what is happening. We can be concerned about what's not happening, right? But our better strategy is spending time, those that are interested in this, making things happen and not raging against things we can't control. And i gotta, I got to do one more thing, okay? Let's talk about the event. We, we know you're final gonna... comment. We've only got about 30 seconds. All right. Let me say this to you, okay? We, you're going to be there. We have uh, over three, 91 separate sessions and over 373 energy experts presenting. At the conference, okay? It is a world-class event. And we encourage all those that can come to come, okay? And be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Excellent. David Winchester and Pat Malone, I want to thank you so much for being guests today on A Better World. It was a pleasure to have you both. Mitchell, it's been a delight to uh, be on your program, and we look forward to uh, spending more time with you in the future and your audience. Excellent. I'm so glad. Thank you again both, and keep up the great work. I really Thank so you, appreciate sir. it, as I know our audience does as well. Okay? Great. Great. Thank Thanks again. Bye-bye. For all of you, go to www.aertc.org. That's A-E-R-T-C. TC.org for more information and to register for the Advanced Energy Conference at Jacob Javits Center, April 30th and May 1st. They sound like very full days, and both of our guests today are an integral part of it. So if you can get there, learn about what's cutting edge and what's happening on the ground in terms of energy efficiency and the integration of green tech into our local communities. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thanks so much for joining us. I so appreciate your attention to uh, the subjects of our show. Our website is www.abetterworld.tv, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.